Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Winston Preparatory School is a leading school network for students with learning disabilities. Learn more about Winston Prep and register for an open house at www.winstonprep.edu. And welcome back to the show. Joining us now, Senior Hearst Editor Dan Har to tell the tale of a story that he wrote about that has become one of the most popular stories on Hearst, everybody talking about it. A lot of people asking me, what do I think about it? So, Dan, welcome to the show. I'll let you tell the facts. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Uh, yes, this is a column that uh, I wrote that we posted on Friday morning about a gentleman who lives in Long Island, uh, a Dr. Kenigsberg, who grew up in Fairfield, Connecticut, uh, left to go to college, medical school, and so forth. He's age 70, but he had a parcel of land in his family for 70 years, his whole life. And uh, the house that he grew up in has been sold to somebody else. Uh, But the parcel of land remained in his possession um, to the present, and he paid taxes on it every year. And um, one day last year, he was in town to visit a sick friend and learned that somebody had built a house on his parcel. Um, and so he, after visiting the friend, stopped by around the corner to see the house. And lo and behold, there was a house. Uh, and he immediately uh, took steps to file. Um, the first thing was an affidavit saying, I didn't sell this land. Turns out a, a person by his name sold the land to a local Fairfield developer who built the house on it. And it's a lovely house, not finished. Uh, there's a video online showing it for sale at $1.475 million. Uh, it's now marked contingent. Normally, contingent means a buyer might be interested. I think in this case, the contingency is a lawsuit. So there's, because there's a federal lawsuit. Sort of a cloud on title, like a big one, like a well, storm cloud. I don't think it's a cloud. I think it's a, uh, a, 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 a volcano. Uh-huh. In any case, um, they, uh, Dr. Kenigsberg, uh, through an attorney in Stanford, has filed in addition to the affidavit and the land records, uh, a federal lawsuit uh, naming uh, a, a local lawyer who took a, uh, a, um, uh, the right to sign, what do you call it, a, a, a power of attorney, and executed the sale of his property to the local real estate uh, agency, or a developer, I should say, not in that agency. All of this was done through big-name real estate agencies, 
And so lots of people have been involved, and it appears that there was a scam. Obviously, in discovery in the lawsuit, we may find out more and, and how it happened. Uh, it appears that there was a wire transfer of money to a South Africa uh, bank. Um, I guess that's wire fraud. You're a lawyer, right? That's a, <laughs> Of course you're a lawyer. That's wire fraud, right? Mm, so, yeah, well, it would be. But what I saw in your article, chatting with Dan Har, is that the police still don't know who actually received the money. Yes. One of my questions for you, who may have done work, or at least you're closer to this than I am, is, is it possible that the perpetrator will never be found? In other words, can you have an anonymous bank account that receives $350,000 and you just poof, disappear and never to be identified? Uh, I, I think that, that the onus, it's very interesting about that, right? Because banks, because this person has the same name, this seller has the same name as the actual name of the owner of the property. So it's either well, wait, some, no, no, somebody somebody posed with that name. That's it what I'm saying. Be. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Nominally same yeah. name, right? So the question then becomes, from the bank's point of view, right? So this is one of my thinking about this. This is an analogous situation, but not the same one. You know that if you forge a check, and the bank cashes it, that the bank is responsible for the forgery. Did you know that? Uh, I, I didn't, but that makes sense because okay. generally, when we do have when we do have a financial fraud or scam or loss of some kind, such as on a credit card, the, the financial institution covers it. Of course, we all pay for it. Let us not kid ourselves. That's right. We are of course. For it. Well, that's a different societal yeah. issue. But in terms of a forgery, even though it's a theft, even though, in other words, a forgery itself is a crime. We don't hold that the only person responsible for it is the person who forges it. We actually have imposed, as a matter of policy, liability on the financial institution and give them a responsibility to make sure that something isn't forged. I don't know whether or not a bank has a responsibility, I would sort of doubt, to make sure that a person is who they say they are. Because otherwise, they'd be in the business of being like an FBI crime check instead of being able to do their business every day as a financial institution. So I don't know if the bank can be found to be responsible. And therefore, if a bank might, here's my point, Dan. If the bank has somebody open up an account in the name of this person, and they're satisfied that this person is who this person says who they are with maybe forged documents, a very sophisticated scam, forged IDs, however it is that banks allow people to open up accounts nowadays. Uh, even if the bank says, I gave it to this guy, Dan Kenningsburg in South Africa, and Dan Kenningsburg isn't Dan Kenningsburg and runs away with the money, I don't really know what happens with the trail. I think as a matter of law, it's going to be a question of whether or not the law is going to say that there was negligence in a duty to do something that wasn't performed with the standard of care. And I don't know what the answer is going to be for that. But I think that's where, right. the, How, I think that's where the money right. is going to reside, in somebody's insurance policy somewhere. Well, now I've been looking into this for the last couple of days as to how common it is. Mm -hmm. And what I'm finding is what I'm finding generally is that real estate scams are wildly common and are perhaps growing. It's obviously technology makes it only easier and AI and so forth. So it, it appears they may be growing, although I haven't found any definitive statement to that effect. 
but that they're wildly common. Nothing quite like this has crossed my path yet, where a piece of land was not only fraudulently sold, but developed. Yeah, this um, is astonishing. You know, the, the, all the, the trees were the removed. Somebody put a house trees, on it. Right. Unbelievable. Apparently, just tearing down the trees is a big deal because there's tree law in Connecticut that allows for the full cost of replacement and triple damages. Well, you know uh, what? That's... that's interesting. I'm happy about that because apparently uh, Mr. Kenningsburg, at least in the article that you wrote about it, he, he said that he had left it and it had become sort of its own little wooded paradise of a half acre there. I mean, he liked it like that. Yes, he but, left to, it like but that. let's be clear. Let's be clear that this was not abandoned property. This Correct. Was, this is property right. that he, he, he knew was there and made sure, you know, neighbors would make sure that it wasn't, uh, you know, well, it certainly was overgrown, but it wasn't overgrown to the point where it was a nuisance in the, right. in the neighborhood. Right. It was, he, he paid, he paid $37,000 in taxes over the last eight years. Mm-hmm. Right. Because yeah. obviously ta- the last year, the current year is 5,000 something dollars. So he's paying a significant. So this is certainly not in any way, shape, manner or form abandoned property. Not at all. Um, no. And he had bought it. His father bought it in 1953 from the Parmley family, the Parmley homestead is just right a few hundred feet away uh, on Valley Drive, I believe it is. And that is dating to 1720. So it's one of the oldest houses, certainly in town and perhaps in the whole county. Um, and uh, uh, so it's been only in two families and he intended to keep it in tens to keep it in his family. But whether now you tell me. If if you were oh let's say a probate judge and it came it came to you this case in which one party presumably innocently I, I know we use that word broadly because they may have a standard of of having checked but if one party unknowingly buys a piece of land and builds a million dollar house on it and the other party rightly owns the house the order that that house be torn down and that the land be restored. Or do you use that asset as part of the settlement? Well, I'm not going to answer that because it's a pending case. Good try. But I would say this. <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking about this case, and I was thinking about the fact that houses can be moved, and they are moved. In fact, in Westport, not too long ago, there was a lovely historical home on Elm Street, and as part of a discussion about allowing a developer to develop the underlying land, as a quid pro quo, the town insisted that he move this historic house to another street that had some interesting historical relevance. And that house now stands and it has Serena and Lily in it and all kind of beautiful shops in it. And so Westport preserved a house and the builder moved it. And I'm told, believe it or not, it's not that big a deal to move a house. So maybe one of the answers here is that the house itself, which has you know the wealth of it is in the plumbing and the copper and the tile and the flooring is in the wealth of the improvement it moves to another piece of land uh-huh well it's a big house four thousand square feet right. i don't i cer- i certainly don't know i've seen big houses moved uh you know from time to time newspapers like to cover and take pictures of a big house on a trailer yep. i mean uh, i'm just it, i'm it, trying to be imaginative and creative here this poor builder is out a tremendous amount of money. If this house is torn down, you know, that would be, that would be like an irreparable, you know, it's a terrible loss. So maybe 
in settling this, one of the answers is they move the house to a actually properly owned lot. I don't, I don't know the answer. I don't know what a judge will do. I have no idea. Right. Is this sort of I'm, now I'm interviewing you. Is it, it, do you find that this that that land fraud and scams, as I should say, this is alleged. We don't know the full facts here. But do you find that land fraud is common, wildly common, growing? No, no. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't know in my world. Something like this is a very audacious scheme. It's extremely audacious. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And so it's not what, I, my, well, the building of the property is is the audacious part, but just the taking of the land in a scam. In other words, yes, I've that- been reading. I have been reading. I mean, probably in your paper that people are uh, impersonating others with identity fraud to try and sell property they don't own. I think this is yes. hardly the first time I've read about this. This is just a particularly yes. audacious scheme. Yes. And you're, and you're seeing new warnings pop up. There, yes. is a, there is a warning in the Fairfield land records. Westport, I haven't checked, but I'm guessing Westport has it as well. Um, you know, warnings. There's a, a title insurance company, a large one in Connecticut, that has a very large fraud warning and an entire web page devoted to how to prevent, detect, and, and uh, uh, keep that out. I was surprised. I read in your article with chatting with Senior Hearst Editor Dan Haar that as of yet, the real estate brokers were not named in the lawsuit. It was explained to me that that it, 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 this is the lawsuit by Dr. Kennigsberg and his nexus. This is stuff that you know about and I don't. But apparently the way it was explained to me by the lawyer, uh, his nexus with the case it, it pertains more directly with the person who bought the, the entity. It's a it's a development entity affiliated with a builder I see. that bought the land, and well, with okay. the and with the lawyer who did the uh, the um, uh, power of attorney. So it doesn't necessarily mean, and I'm not making a statement one way or the other about the the, the agency. And by the way, I should be clear that no one in this whose names we know, the agency that bought, the agency that sold, the the brokerage, I mean, the lawyer, the, the builder, no one has been implicated or accused in any way of perpetrating the Correct. underlying fraud. Correct. That's there the thing. No, Every, that's right. Right. No, right. No one's been accused a, of intentional wrongdoing a, here at all. 
Right. There's a there's a criminal investigation underway, which the Fairfield police confirmed to me. And I presume because it involves overseas wire transfer, other national and international uh, or rather national law enforcement agencies are involved, perhaps the FBI, perhaps other agencies. There's no public there's no indication that anyone involved in this case here whose whose names we know and report is implicated in that. However, uh, because lawsuits being lawsuits, the word intentional is in the lawsuit. And it's, it's sort of intentional. It's one of these new or should have known type things where they cover their bases. So Yeah. Uh, I mean, by the time they're done impleting, by the time people are done impleting and cross-indexing and laying blame on this one or that one, I, I would think that almost everybody in the chain will end up being involved somehow at a table, I would think. You know, because That's- because because you know, realtors are are middlemen and they're making representation. I mean, I just think that at some point other people will be impleted as well. But we'll see what happens with the case. I want to follow the case, Dan. I hope you'll be doing more stories on it. I, I just think it's a you know, it's such an unusual fact pattern and it and it and since nobody is alleged to have intentionally done anything wrong, everybody is left feeling wronged and victimized. You know, the person who was on the other end of the scam feels victimized. Obviously, the plaintiff feels victimized. But I think the defendants probably feel very victimized here, too. The, the person who bought the land, who spent $1.4 million or whatever he spent, how much, 375000 how much went to South Africa? Three seventy-five. He's feeling... Uh, 350. 350. Three, that person three, for three, sure 50. is feeling victimized because he didn't... He bought nothing. He, he, he bought something that he doesn't own. He feels victimized. Everybody feels victimized. We believe that's the same person who built the house. The the development entity is called 51 Skytop Partners. So and that 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 is owned by a person who has the same name as the owner of the building company. So we, we believe it's the builder who bought the land. And yes, while that person feels victimized, the industry is telling people, be careful of these scams. Here's how you can check. Uh, yeah. And and so this is a case where. The plaintiff, Dr. Kennigsberg, in his lawsuit is saying, is calling it in the lawsuit an obvious scam. Mm. Uh, but there are indications that it's a pretty elaborate scam. Mm-hmm. So it could be both obvious and elaborate. The question is, should they or did they have, as you said before, did they have a professional obligation to root this out by checking with him directly? Uh, and that's what he is saying. And that's what his lawyer was saying in the lawsuit. Well, and, and we don't know if the facts, we don't know if there was a conversation. We don't know, you know, we don't know how elaborate the scam was. We don't know if false information was delivered to a notary public, which is entitled to rely prima facie on a driver's license that looks like a driver's license. Like we don't know, or a passport that looks like a passport. How is, how do we keep passing an obligation to assume that everybody is a criminal? What, you know what I mean? Like what's an obligation of a lawyer to do if somebody presents with what looks to be a a passport and evidence of ID, but you don't know the person, what are you supposed to do? Call their teacher from second grade? Do you know what I mean? Like what is your obligation? How deep do you have to go to know that somebody who calls you is the person they say they are? How would we function as a society if we keep passing the buck on? So we're going to have to see what happens here. I have a question for you. One, yeah. Do you have time for my one question for you? Yeah. This is fun. I get to interview you. And the by expert. the way, I would think that this is a conversation that may end up being something ripe for mediation. I'm just saying. 
I'm a mediator, and I, I could see people well, sitting around be. a table and trying to figure this out. Anyway, go ahead. Almost yeah. by, by, by common sense. It has to be mediated because you have a $1.4 million asset on the land. Well, as, a po- as opposed asset. to being adjudicated. Mediated meaning well, they but, sit around and they come to yeah, their no, own resolution. But there's, yeah, yeah. There's, right, right. But there's almost no way to adjudicate. You have to agree to either leave the house. That, but in any case, my question for you is just to the, to the point, to extend the point you were just making. Isn't it true that the, the entire legal real estate system depends on a certain degree of trust, which if to. it is broken and you can have no trust, it's almost impossible for it to move forward in I the electronic age. It, and isn't that true? It is for sure true, even more in the electronic age than ever before, where electronically you, can, you are allowed to, with DocuSign and everything else, we have now statutory laws that say that you can accept these machine signatures as opposed to somebody's actual signature. 100% it depends on trust. So does our entire economy. Right. And so what happens now when you when you can't trust anybody? Well, that is you get lawsuits like this. You get a mess. It's exactly what yeah. happens. Yeah. Right. All right. Mess. Well, there Malagan. we are. Uh, Dan Har, I want to thank you for the reporting. I love when you dig up these stories. We'll uh, we'll great. keep reading about this one. Great to be on. And I appreciate your, uh, your the interview that you were able to answer my questions. Here. This is great. We interview each other. It's great. It's fantastic. Thanks, Dan. You're a doll. Appreciate Dan, Dan Har on the Lisa Wexler show. We're going to be right back with Christina Nappi, who is the program administrator for the marvelous program in Greenwich for a youth conservation corps. We're going to hear all about it. Stay tuned. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.